know that today. It's not God's will that anyone should perish. It's not, it's not what God wants. And so he sends, or tries to send, his prophet Jonah to go to Nineveh to warn them about their spiritual state and to warn them of the judgment that is to come. And it's a, it, it's a terrible, terrible condition that Nineveh is in. And Jonah hears the word of God, go. But the Bible says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 3, that Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed in the exact opposite direction. He headed off to Tar- Tarsus. Now, he gets on a boat and he thinks, God obviously can't get me here. I mean, how many, how many have tried to get away from God? And you thought for sure, God can't get me here. And there's Jonah in a boat on a ship going in the opposite direction. And he thinks now that he's not going to Nineveh, that God will just forget about it and that'll be the end of it. How many know that God, when he gets his eye on you, when God makes up his mind that he wants you to do something, that God will not let you off the hook. He will not let you go. Spurgeon, the great preacher from over 100 years ago, called God the great hound of heaven. And when the hound of heaven gets your scent, baby, you, you just may as well give up and just, just do what God wants you to do because he's not going to let you off the hook. And so there is Jonah, and he's on his ship, and uh, he's, uh, he, he's, he's on a cruise now. He's, he's taking it easy. He's, uh, he's, he's not one of the sailors. He's just eating and eating. And, well, if you've ever been on a cruise, you know that's all you do is eat. <laughs> and so there he is eating and having a good time. And he's, uh, he's down in his room having a sleep. And all of a sudden, a storm comes up. And it's a bad storm. And somehow... Jonah is able to sleep through this storm. Nothing seems to disturb him. He has no idea that up on deck, the sailors are scared for their lives, and they're throwing things overboard to lighten the load so that the ship won't go down. They're terrified. And uh, finally, someone comes to him and says, Don't you know what's going on, man? (laughs) Get your tail out of your room and up on deck and help out. Jonah, knowing what's going on, says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the reason for this. I'm the reason for this. And he says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and everything's going to be fine. And the sailors, to their credit, <laughs> they, no, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to throw you overboard. We're going to do everything we can. But finally, when nothing else will help, Look what it says in Jonah 1.15. They took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Now, listen to me this morning. Jonah is there in the, in the water, and he's thinking, this is it. It's all over. I messed up terribly. I deserve to die. I deserve to fail. I deserve not to have a second chance. But Jonah 
is not serving just any God. He's serving the God of the second chance. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because some of you are here today, and you're feeling discouraged. You're feeling as though it's all over. You've messed up. You've made too many mistakes. You feel like you've failed your family. You've failed your spouse. You've failed your boss. You've failed God. And you may as well just pack it up and go home, because God obviously can't use you now, because you messed up, right? Wrong. You forget who you're serving. You're serving the God of the second chance. That's our God. That's our Father, people. A God of grace and a God of mercy. And my Bible tells me that he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. And so here's Jonah in the belly of this fish because a fish came along and swallowed him whole. By the way, do you know that the Bible says it's a fish and not a whale? (laughs) Some people think it was a whale that swallowed it. Maybe it was. We don't know. But we do know it was a very big sea creature. The Bible calls it a fish. And swallows him, and he's three days in the belly of that fish. Now, can I ask you a question this morning? What would you do if you were in the belly of a fish for three days? We're not on a cruise now, people. <laughs> and this isn't a submarine. <laughs> There's nothing to eat. There's nowhere to go, nothing to do. He could do only one thing, and it's pray. Now, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Here's this man, run from God. And I don't know why he ran from God. We don't know the reason. The Bible doesn't say the reason. I think it's a good thing because it makes it so that this story can apply to every one of us. In Jonah's case, maybe he was afraid, just just downright afraid to go to Nineveh, this great city. And a great city it was, because the Bible says it takes three days to see the whole city. It's a big city. Maybe he's afraid. He's afraid of what they would say. Maybe they would throw stones. Maybe they would kill him. He was afraid. Maybe he was just lazy. He just wanted to go for a cruise. No interest in doing ministry today. Thank you, Lord. I'm on a sabbatical. How many know when it comes to the Lord, you, you don't make those decisions. God does. Maybe he was angry. He was saying, God, are you kidding me? Nineveh? They're not the chosen people. They don't deserve any mercy or grace. God, I can't believe it. What are you thinking? So many of us really don't know the heart of God. God is merciful and full of grace. Maybe he was angry. I'm not going to those people. They deserve to die. Sinners. Evil, wicked sinners. They deserve death. Amen. (laughs) You've heard preachers like that. Maybe he was just tired. He said, God, you've worked me so hard. I've been preaching so high. i got to have a break. You don't really expect me to take the journey up to Nineveh. You've got to give me a break, God. I I can't do this. I'm going to to Tarshish. Uh, I'll connect up with you later, God. 
How many realize today you're serving the king of the universe and you don't tell God what you're going to do? You ask God, what do you want from me, Lord? I don't know. I don't know why he didn't go. But I can tell you this. is that God knows how to get your attention and get my attention. And so the very first thing we recognize, my friends, in discovering the God of the second chance is that God knows how to get our attention. He knows how to arrest us. He knows how to stop us dead in our tracks. Do you know what it means to be arrested? It means you have lost control of your life. You are now at the mercy of someone else. And this is precisely what happens to poor Jonah. It says, then they, then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. And then Jonah 1.17 says, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Notice it doesn't say two nights, two days and two nights, or four days and four nights. It's exactly as long as God needed him to be there. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning. Because God sometimes allows us to go through what Jonah went through to get our attention And he keeps us where he needs us to be until we learn what it is he wants us to learn. And I'm going to tell you this. The Father, our Father in heaven, will do whatever is necessary to get your attention. And if it means three days in a fish, so be it. If it means two days in a fish, so be it. Frankly, I'm a suck. I would take only one day, and I'd be out of there. I'd I'd learn my lesson. Okay, God. Jonah, he's a stubborn brute. Three days... Three days, and then finally that, I've been waiting to say this now all week, finally that fish pukes Jonah up. (laughs) Pukes Jonah up. Are you where Jonah is or was right now in your life? Things aren't going right for you, and... You, you, just, you can't make any, any movement forward, backward, to left. I mean, you are literally under arrest. God has got you so that you've got nothing to do but to cry out to him. If that's where you are today, you feel like you've lost control and you, there's nothing you can do but pray, then can I encourage you to do that? To begin to pray? We're going to talk about that more in just a moment. But I want you to stop and consider for a moment that when God arrests you, when God gets you to the place where you can hear his voice, you are in a position where you have absolutely no control over what happens next in your life. You can't call the shots anymore. Sometimes God allows us to be ill. Sometimes God puts us in a difficult, or allows us to go into a difficult financial position. Sometimes... We're in a position where we've got a stalemate in a relationship with someone. We can't get it fixed. We can't get it right. It's, not, it's just not working. Maybe at work, things are just not advancing. You're not getting where you want to go. You see other people advancing in their career, but you're not advancing. You're stuck. You're, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Are you, is that where you are right now? Then I would dare say that God's trying to get your attention. How many have heard of Jim Baker, the PTL club? Remember, some of you remember him, some of you who are old like me. 
Jim Baker, the, the, the leader of that great organization. When I say great, I mean great as in big. The great organization with, uh, with the playground, water play, playground, and a TV studio, and lots of timeshares. And there was a judge there, I think it was in North Carolina, that was out to get him, and did everything he could to put Jim Baker in jail. There were charges pressed against him, and uh, Jim Baker did go to jail. And I don't know if you remember the images, but there are images of Jim Baker coming out of this house. His hair is all wild and he had a jacket over his hands. Obviously, his hands were handcuffed. He had chains on his ankles. And anybody who was in the ministry especially, but every Christian and especially those in the ministry, looked on at this poor man and you think to yourself, how on earth did you go from the very heights of success, so-called? How on earth did you go from that place where you were such a success to the place now where you are being escorted to a police car with your feet and your hands in shackles, crying, and just reports were, were in the news that Jim Baker was actually hiding under a desk in a fetal position, crying in a terrible state. And some people looked on and said, ha, 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 good, he finally got what he deserves. Jim Baker was, went to jail for things that he was not guilty of. But I'm going to tell you this. Jim Baker wrote a book that was this thick, and I read it, called I Was Wrong. And in that book, he says this. It was God's severe mercy that he was arrested and put in jail because it was in jail that God got his attention. And rather than getting angry at God and shaking his fist and saying, how could you do this to me, God? I gave everything for you. I did everything I could to please you. How could you allow me to go to jail? Jim Baker had the wisdom of Jonah and said, God, what is it that you're trying to say to me? And it was there that God began to show Jim Baker that Jim was horribly, horribly off track as a minister of God. It was there in jail that Jim Baker rediscovered the scriptures and was starting to interpret them properly once again. It was in jail that he recognized that his marriage was in a terrible state and that his children were in a terrible state, all because he had gotten his eyes off of God and he wasn't doing what God had called him to do. God had not called Jim Baker to build amusement parks. He called Jim Baker to preach the gospel. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart today. Because every one of us is a Jim Baker. How many would say that, yeah, that's true today? Yeah, you are. (laughs) Whether you you agree with this or not, you are a Jim Baker. You are as much in need of God's grace as Jim Baker, as Jonah, as me. It was there, after his arrest, after his time in jail... For Jonah, it was three days in the belly of a fish. For Jim Baker, it was over five years in jail. God did what he needed to do in his life. If you're in a position right now where things aren't 
where they need to be and you're not where you think you should be, you need to surrender to God and say, God, what is it you're trying to say to me? If you're not getting ahead financially, you're not getting ahead in your, your, your marriage is not what it needs to be, your, your career is not what it needs to be, could it be that God's trying to get a hold of you and get your attention? And you'd say, God, you got my attention, I'm listening. The arrest. And everybody who disobeys God goes through this because God loves them. Then there's the prayer. And the Bible says that from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord as God, and he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. I need to remind everybody of something this morning, because it's something that I think that all of us can too easily forget. How many remember the prayer is an essential part of the Christian life. It's an essential daily part of the Christian life. And for some of us here, it's been a long time since we've last prayed. And please, I'm not, I'm not, when I talk about praying, I'm not saying, thank you, Jesus, for this field, bless you, the rest of my body, thank you, Jesus, amen. <laughs> now lay me down to sleep, pray, Lord, my soul, keep if I should have before I wake, pray, Lord, my soul, keep. That's, Come on, that's not prayer. That's kind of a some kind of a superstitious incantation formula, whatever, to hope that that you don't get food poisoning or you, you, you don't die when you sleep. Now, there's some food you do need to pray before. I'll admit that, but that's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about today. I'm talking about this getting in with God, getting close to His heart, and hearing His voice. Prayer, my friends is absolutely essential if you are going to have any kind of a vibrant Christian life. And if you're not praying, if you're not waiting on God, if you're not listening to the voice of the Lord, if you're not coming before him on a daily basis, then I would say this about your Christian life. You're, you're, you're probably in trouble today. You're probably in spiritual trouble. You're probably finding yourself falling into temptation repeatedly. You're, you're probably doing things and saying things you shouldn't do and you shouldn't say. You're probably thinking thoughts you shouldn't be thinking. You say, Pastor, how did you know that? Because <laughs> I bugged your house. <laughs> Everybody who becomes a member of this church gets their house bugged. <laughs> Listen, I'm the same as you. I know what happens when I don't pray. My life's a mess. Martin Luther, you know what he said? You know the great reformer, Martin Luther? And this is no, uh, if you're Roman Catholic today, I'm, pleased, I'm not trying to take a jab at you at all, please. But Martin Luther stood up against the Roman Catholic Church and said, no more are we going to function this way. And Martin Luther led what, what we do call now the, the, the great Protestant movement. The, he protested the practice of the Roman Catholic Church and became a great leader in Europe. This great godly man who translated the scriptures into the German language, who wrote commentaries, who led a, a, a true revolution. This man said, if I don't give God the first hour of my day, then Satan gets the victory through the rest of the day. For the next 23 hours, it all belongs to Satan. I'm not making this up. That's what he said. 
If Martin Luther, the great reformer, the great Christian who translated the Bible, who knew the biblical languages, who could quote chapters, books of the Bible, if he would say, I need to give God the first hour of my day in prayer or I'm in big trouble, then how much more do you and I need to be people of prayer? I'm going to say this to you right now. If Jonah had spent time in prayer, he wouldn't have been in this mess. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. The mess you're in right now could it be because you haven't been praying lately. You haven't been speaking to God. If God had spoken to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and if Jonah, instead of getting on a ship, got on his knees and prayed and said, God, what is your will? I don't want to do this thing. God doesn't mind having a conversation. He doesn't mind if you say, I don't want to do it. Even Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, said to his father, what? Father, not my will, but thine be done. If even Jesus struggled to do God's will, then I'm going to tell you, it's okay for you to struggle. It's okay for me to struggle. But what you do after you sense a struggle in your heart is, is absolutely a matter of life and death. With Jonah, he got on a ship and sailed off in the other direction. With God, the Son, Jesus Christ, he stayed on his knees and he battled until he was prepared to do God's will. Jesus prayed, Jonah didn't. Martin Luther learned how important it was to pray. And God used that man powerfully, mightily to turn the tide. And in fact, brought reform to the Roman Catholic Church. I had a missionary, when I was in Bible school, speak to our, our graduating class. You know what he said to us? He said to us this. He said, if you don't spend one hour a day in prayer, he says, you'll never be able to do ministry. It's, he says, it's, it's, it just won't work. You might last for a little while, but it'll all come tumbling down. You'll get yourself into trouble, and you'll end up as just one of the many wreckages in the garbage dump. And so there's a few of us that, that listened to his words. I can still remember the day, I can still remember that missionary, the missionary to South America, Joseph Annenby. you got to pray an hour a day. Do you know those of us who listened to him and went and prayed an hour every day, we'd go down to the men's chapel to pray, Every one of us is in ministry today. The others are not. None of the kids that graduated and, 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 and failed to pray, none of them are in ministry today. I'm going to tell you right now that prayer is absolutely essential if you are going to be a success in your life. When I say success, I mean successful in fulfilling the will of God for your life. And I can tell you this. People quit praying when they quit doing God's will. You show me somebody who's not praying, I'm going to show you somebody who doesn't want to do what God wants them to do. The people who pray, people who worship, people who are in fire for God are people who are saying, God, not my will, but thine be done. When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, 
What did Jesus teach them to pray every day? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Folks, that is your challenge and my challenge as believers, is to do the will of God. You show me somebody who's lost their joy, lost their enthusiasm, lost their excitement for God and for the Christian life. I'll show you somebody who stopped praying months, years ago. You show me somebody who's praying, somebody who's hearing the voice of God, somebody who's doing what God wants to do. I'll show you somebody who's so on fire for the Lord and is prepared to do whatever God says. Yes, even go to Nineveh. Well, here's Jonah praying in his distress. And Jonah declares, God, here's my cry. And then we read in verse 10 of Jonah chapter 2. The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Here it is, the second chance. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, the Lord speaks to Jonah and says, Go to Nineveh. In Jonah chapter 2, or chapter 3, verse 1, it, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah once again. It says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And the Bible says this time that Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. A very important city. A visit required three days. It's a big city. The God of the second chance gave Jonah a second chance. Go, Jonah, and preach the gospel. I'm, I'm going to give it to you again. I was talking to you a moment ago about Jim Baker. Everybody thought he would be washed up and finished after having gone to jail. Do you know that when Jim Baker came out of jail, he came out as a very humble preacher, a very humble man. He said, God, if you can use me again, I'm yours. And last I heard, Jim Baker was being used of God to preach the gospel. Oh, he never rose to the heights that he was at before. But now he was doing something that really counted. People are coming to Christ because the God of the second chance gave him a second chance. I wonder this morning, is there anybody here who's felt called to ministry and, and you just said, no, I'm going to do my own thing. God, I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go into the ministry. Well, frankly, I don't blame you because it's a hard job. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this, that you'll never be happy. You'll never be content. You'll never be at peace until you do what God calls you to do. Maybe you're here today and you feel God's called you to get involved in ministry. And you say, I don't want to get involved. I just want to come and warm a chair and don't, don't bother me with that. Power. God's speaking to your heart right now. Maybe you were really on fire for God. You were really keyed up and you wanted to do great things for God and you backed off and you said, you know what, I just, I'm just going to come to church and I'm going to give my tithes and that's good enough. And God say, no, it's not good enough. I've given you gifts, I've given you skills, I've given you talents, and I want to use you. Are you really ready to, to obey the Lord finally? Maybe God's been speaking to you about giving, about tithing. You say, God, I, you know, I, I, I got certain needs that I got to take care of, and when I get my needs taken care of, God, then I'll start giving to the work of God. And you're in a terrible financial condition, a terrible financial state right now because you haven't been doing what God's called you to do. Now, if there's anybody here who's saying, oh, yeah, I knew, finally, I knew that the pastor was going to get around to asking for money. That's not what I'm doing. 
Because God doesn't need your money. What God needs is your heart. And he wants you to know the joy, the fulfillment, the satisfaction of partnering with him and doing his work and doing his will. God is a God of the second chance. Folks, Jonah got up off the beach, washed himself off, I'm assuming. (laughs) Can you imagine? Gets up off the beach, off the shoreline, and off he goes to Nineveh. Now, I want to just point something out to you this morning before we conclude. What was at stake? What was at stake? What would happen if Jonah had not obeyed God? Look at this. Not only does Jonah get a second chance, but Nineveh gets a second chance. And if you read to the end of the book of Jonah, you know what you discover? You discover that these wicked people who did things that would be unmentionable in this service, these people listened to the word preached by Jonah. They tore their garments in repentance. They put on sackcloth. They put ashes on their head as a sign of humility. And they said, God, forgive us for our sins. The God of the second chance gave Jonah the privilege to lead these people to God. And because Jonah obeyed God, Nineveh was saved. Now, I want to ask you a question today. Who in your life, who in your family, who in your workplace needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ but are not hearing it because, like Jonah, you would rather not say You would rather not tell them the truth. You would rather not obey God. What's at stake here? My brothers and my sisters, by God's grace, I need to encourage you to respond in obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit so that you would do what God is calling you to do. Is there a family member a workmate? Is there, somebody, is there somebody in your life, a neighbor that needs to hear about Jesus and you've been putting it off and you've been putting it off and you're maybe too afraid, too lazy, too angry, too tired. I don't know, but you've been putting it off. Respond and say, God, here am I. I'm ready to do whatever it is that you're calling me to do. I'm ready to give whatever you're calling me to give. I'm ready to be whatever you're calling me to be. God is a God of the second chance, and he wants to use you, my friends. My brothers, my sisters, he wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of others. I'd like you to watch this video clip with me, and then we're going to close in prayer.
What's, uh, what's God calling you to do? Who is he calling you to speak to? Who is he calling you to, to reach out and love? Who needs your words of encouragement? Who needs a gift of kindness from you? Who needs a pat on the back? Maybe it's your kids. Just need to be embraced, need to be loved, need to be told. I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you, daughter. Maybe you just need a hug. Maybe you think, oh, they don't really need it. Oh, yes, they do. Father, you want to use us, and we, we, we know from past experience that the greatest joy, the greatest contentment, the greatest satisfaction that we've ever experienced has come when we have obeyed you and surrendered to you, when we've said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. We know that the greatest contentment comes when when we're not seeking our own will, but seeking your will. God, we thank you today that you are the God of the second chance. Lord, there's some here today who at this very moment feel that they are in the belly of the fish. And they just are in such a, a difficult place. And God, you want to bring relief to them. You want to set them free. There's some who have, are backslidden and not where they need to be spiritually. They're far from you. Their hearts are cold and it's been a while since they prayed. There's some who've sensed the call of ministry on their life and they've been resisting. There's some here who the sense God calling them to, to start tithing, to start giving to missions, to start giving to the poor. And they know they need to do it. God, would you give grace this hour? Well, your heads are bowed. If there are any this morning that say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I would just invite you to come to this altar with me right now. Just get up right out of your chair. And uh, come join me at the front here. I want to pray for you. I want some of my elders to come and join with me in praying for those who just need relief, need a sense of God's touch upon their heart. Would you come right now? Just come join me in prayer here. I want to pray for you. Thanks. Anybody else like that? Come to the place of prayer. Find relief. Find grace. Anybody else? Yeah. God wants to restore your joy. God wants you to get back that that sense of happiness, that sense of peace. 
Anybody else? If you just move a little closer together here, I'm going to ask my elders if you just place your hands upon these folks. That'd be great. A little closer, okay. Yeah, physical, okay. What can I pray for you about? Ah, on my Father, we just sense your presence here so strong. Sense, Lord, you want to do something special here. And Father, we pray right now for my brother here. God, you know, you know what's in his heart. You know his need. And by faith, he has come before you and he's saying, God, touch me. So, Father, would you do that work right now by your spirit, Lord? Oh, Father, give, give him a sense, mighty sense of your spirit resting upon him, touching him, making him whole. Father, I pray that he would just find himself yielding to you fully. For your glory and for your honor, we pray it.